0: To go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because
1: they are hard.
2: And there it is, the familiar music that tells us it is time for this month's edition of the Manx Sky at Night with the one and only Howard Parkin. Faster, my Howard, and And welcome. Faster, my to you, thanks, Judith. Well, we can't wait to get started, can we? Absolutely, absolute action-packed agenda. Now, we started last week's pro, last month's program talking about this great achievement from Cronkyberry School, oh yes. Yes, naming did, naming Gloas and Kryniec. Correct. St- and yeah. now you've actually been into the school, yes, haven't you? Yes. Um,
0: when this news broke just before Christmas, of course, it was really exciting news. I was absolutely delighted for them. They asked me to go in and talk to the children, so I went in a few weeks ago to chat to them. And even now, I don't think they really appreciated how important this is. The International Astronomical Union, who launched this competition, have got so much clout. They are the people who demoted Pluto. I think I mentioned that last month. And really, it's, it's such a big deal. It really is. And I'm, I'm so delighted. And it's appearing already in the local, not the local, but the magazines I get, the astronomy magazines I get. It, it, it really is a big story. for, And it, it's called the UK entry, uh, which is one of the rest, and of course we're not in the UK, but it just shows you how important it is that the whole of the UK astronomical community are talking about this Globas and Cronluck, which is, um, of course, named by the, the children of Cronky Berry. And so they are part of, of history. Absolutely. It'll they? stick there forever now. That that star name and that planet name will are the first ones to be named. There's 93 stars and 93 planets being named, but they had 150 to go from, and At the last count I looked when I gave the talk to them a couple of weeks ago, there's something like 4,000 other solar systems now in the near universe to us. So um, there's going to be more and more and more. So they're going to have to get these names um, sorted out. And we're in the first tranche. And uh, every credit to Betty for doing it.
2: And I think what is significant is that when people look at the names, some, mm. some names are quite obvious, the, the, the links are quite obvious. But when people look at this they, and they research a little bit more, that'll be yeah. the perfect link, permanent link to the mm-hmm. island.
0: I mean, for anyone who's interested, just go onto Wikipedia. I know we all criticise Wikipedia, but it's great for a quick look. Just go onto Wikipedia and put in GLOAS or CRUNLAC. And it'll say, named by the children of Cronky Berry School, Manx name means shining and means in orbit, whatever it does. And it's there and it will be there for eternity. Very exciting. And lovely that
2: you could go and share that moment with them and, and impress upon them the importance of what they've achieved. Now... Let's have a look at the sky, which sadly is not really very clear tonight, it? No, it is was it? lovely
0: earlier on. I was all excited, especially when I drove up and Judith was just coming in the studio like I was and I was going to show her something particular in the sky, which we can see at the moment, uh, and it clouded over really typical you know it's it's not a cold but actually it's gone cold as night when it's been but we've had some lovely nights recently and the winter sky is fantastic and there's so much to see in it which hopefully we can talk through now
2: well i have been out um several nights this week and last week when it's been dark and i've literally i've had a howard parking moment Ah, i have stood there stood and just looked at the beauty
0: of the sky this is the best i can't stress enough i say this this time of the year, all the time. This is the best time of the year because we've got so many very bright stars in the sky in the winter, and we don't have them in the summer. I mean, you go stargazing at midnight at any time of the year, and you won't get the profusion of bright stars we get in the winter months. Right, one of them, one of them is playing up between you and me, Judith If one of them is being a naughty boy. The star, if anyone knows the constellation Orion, and hopefully people by now have been listening to the programme, they might know where Orion is, the three stars in Orion's belt are quite distinctive. And upper left, you've got the star Betelgeuse, lower right, you've got the star Rigel. Very bright stars in the constellation of Orion. Well, Betelgeuse is actually a variable star. It's actually a huge star. It's bigger than the orbit of Mars, almost as big as the orbit of Jupiter. And it's fading. It is fading in brightness. It's dropped the whole what we call a magnitude in astronomy. It's now, you look at the top of Orion, above the three stars in the line, there's two stars. There's a distinctively one with a red tinge and there's one to the side of it. Uh, That's called Bellatrix. They are now both roughly the same brightness. Whereas normally, Betelgeuse is about another magnitude brighter. This means that something's going on in Betelgeuse and it's not going to happen overnight, although it could. Um, We think Betelgeuse is going to explode into a supernova before too long.
2: Well, now, just to show you how seriously I take Ooh. this
0: programme. I, I She's have, got her glasses on, folks. Well, well, <laughs> she means business, I think. You're
2: absolutely right. <laughs> Put these on, anything could happen. Without them, anything will happen. Now, I have cut out from the papers, various editions of the newspaper, no less than six different stories, oh, all to do with things of astronomy. And this was the one that I got. And it said, just what you've said, in the depths of space, something strange is occurring. Betelgeuse has dimmed in brightness, leading astronomers to speculate that it's about to go supernova. A cosmic event of some magnitude, but sadly it's unlikely to happen in fewer than Mm. 100,000 years. And in any case, Betelgeuse is 700 light years away. So even if it had exploded 500 years ago, we wouldn't see it for another 200. That's right. That is the enormity of what we're talking about, I don't quite know
0: how they work that out. If it exploded 500 years ago, we'd see it 500 years' time, not 200. i how rather work that out, but never mind.
2: Well, I think they were saying, you know, if it had exploded f- 700 light years ago, oh, I see. now, what you mean, yeah, now yeah, we'd still okay, have another 200 years time. to yeah. wait. Well,
0: light years to wait. But the thing is, we don't know. The last time we had a supernova, not in our galaxy, but the last one in our galaxy was Kepler's star in 1652, I think it was. And we haven't seen one in our galaxy f- since then. But we got one in the companion galaxy to us, the Large Magellanic Cloud, in 1987, and it completely went against the grain. It was a star that shouldn't have gone supernova, it did. And the, the scientists, rubbing their, you know, couldn't understand why. But Betelgeuse, to go back to Betelgeuse, Betelgeuse has been dropping in brightness. It has now stopped dropping, and is now we believe, although reports are uncertain, yet we think it's going to climb up again. So it's pulsating basically. Um, but One of these days, a star will go supernova in our galaxy. It won't have any effect whatsoever on life on Earth, but what will happen for about three months if a star should go supernova in our galaxy, um, it would shine brighter than Venus and almost as bright as the full moon. It would be that spectacular for about three months. But um, Betelgeuse has certainly made people sit up and take notice, but at the moment it's unlikely. We think this is just a, a greater than normal drop in brightness and it's going to come back up to its normal brightness probably in the next six months or so. But, but worth looking out for. But isn't the unpredictability
2: of it, the fascination of Absolutely, it, that you
0: can't say, oh, this will definitely no, do this or that. We think we're clever. We think we know. Yes, I, I could sit here and explain how supernovas happen and all the rest. And all the readers who aren't asleep, readers, all the listeners who aren't asleep <laughs> would be asleep. But um, we, we, as Patrick Moore, my favourite expression of Patrick Moore was, we just don't know. That's all he would ever say. We just don't very, know all that's the That's a very good impersonation, that really is. <laughs> Thank you. But, but
2: actually, this, this article, that I, this little mm-hmm. bit that I clipped out of the paper, you will totally agree with the final sentence which says, all about this Betelgeuse activity. It says, there's nothing like a bit of news from space to put all our silly human activity into Couldn't, perspective.
0: Could not agree more. Astronomy has once been described to me as mental yoga. Because when you start looking at the cosmos and the size of the space and I'm in I'm the middle of putting a lecture together on the Voyager spacecraft, the spacecraft that are going outside our solar system. And, you know, some of the human stories that linked into that about how the NASA scientists, when they built the spaceship to go out to um, Venus, uh, Jupiter and Saturn, they weren't, they weren't given the money to send it on to Uranus and Neptune. So they built the thing anyway on the hope that when it was on the way, they changed their mind. And they did. And it's just little stories like that. It makes you realise how people, you know, they are passionate about these things, and I just love talking about it. As you know, but these people are working on it on a daily basis, and. uh what an achievement to send a spacecraft out beyond our solar system. Incredible.
2: A lot of it is done on a huge amount of faith and, and just,
0: just believing. Winging a prayer almost. Almost that it will,
2: that it will mm. that it become good. So Venus dominating the evening sky. Yes,
0: I mean, tonight, uh, before it came out, about 7 o'clock tonight, Venus was absolutely dominating our evening sky. You can't mistake Venus. You've never identified anything in the night sky. Just go outside on a clear night around 7 o'clock, and just look towards the west, and you'll see this very bright object. That is the planet Venus, getting higher and higher in the sky now, right through till about March, and then it will start getting lower and lower. But Venus has got a companion, much fainter and much lower down. In February, about the 10th of February, so at the first week or so of February, if you've got a good view, if you're living in Peel, have a good look at the sky, and if you can see a faint star in a light sky, because the sun has only just gone down, that's the best chance this year to see the planet Mercury. Um, So we've got Mercury and Venus visible in the evening sky, and if we wait till the morning time, um, before dawn, we've got Mars, Jupiter and Saturn in the sky as well, and they're all going to come together at the end of the year, so that'll be quite spectacular as well. We'll talk about that another time. Indeed, indeed we will. Conjunctions. Well, that leads me nicely. As I heard you say earlier, we do plan these things, you see. It leads in beautifully. We do, Yes. I do the story of the Star of Bethlehem, and I know we've talked about this in Praise and other programmes, but at the end of this year, on the 21st of December to be exact, and I know it's a long way off, we're going to have Jupiter and Saturn so close to each other that Jupiter Jupiter will literally um, go over Saturn. It's going to be very spectacular. Sadly, very low down on our southern horizon, but well worth looking out for. Probably the closest planetary conjunction I'll have seen for a long time, so well worth looking out for. I'm just flagging up now that that will be a spectacular event just before Christmas, um, in 2020
2: where will be the absolute, where in the world would be the best place to see that Southern
0: Hemisphere Somewhere. Southern Hemisphere is the best part of the world and I've just I would have just come back from the Southern Hemisphere so but it will take a few months to lead up to this conjunction so I'll be having a, a good look for it hopefully when I'm down there um, later on this year I would guess, Howard, that, that your year is
2: pretty much planned out in
0: where you will be going with your yes, trips for, for people. Is, who because they... they tend to be booked, because obviously yeah. with the cruises and the, everything else, um, so I can tell you exactly where I'll be and when I'm going to be there, so... Uh... So, but, uh, but what uh, I'm saying really is that you will be bringing each time on this programme,
2: you will be bringing something back from those oh, trips, yes, something yes, that we. you've seen, some, oh, some yes. exce- because there will be something surprising well, as, as we, or exceptional. we did when
0: we went to Israel, um, we were stood on the balcony of the hotel looking at the stars and the Jupiter was just below the moon. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, that was really spectacular. And uh, I took a picture over the dung gate of the moon. I remember that. That's, that's it. But it's just what I do. It's, it's, uh, it keeps my interest and hopefully um, interests other people as well. Well, it fascinated us all on that trip, and it didn't matter. It wasn't the finest
2: quality photograph, but it was a
0: souvenir of that moment. Absolutely, and that's what I often say to people. You don't have to take spectacular photographs. If you see something in the sky and you can share it with somebody, that is a personal memory for you. It doesn't, as I say, I've said to people, if you see a beautiful mountain view, you don't know the names of the mountains. You don't need to know the names of the stars. Just enjoy the moment and think, that was special. You saw a meteorite, or a meteor, I should say. or the planets coming together, or the space station, which is incidentally clearly visible at the moment. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, So it's just these personal moments. You don't have to have wonderful photographic records. It's great if you can, but it also helps just to, to know what you're looking at.
2: And I think that's the value of this programme, actually, Howard, is that, OK, you tell us lots and lots of facts, and that is why I'm glad that we can make it available as a podcast, because yeah, if dude. people want to listen back and, you know, just kind of absorb a bit what more... What did he say? But did not, he
0: really say that? Well,
2: this, Or when did he say? What date yeah. did he say that, that would be visible or would be the best place yeah. or best time or whatever? So we've got that. But what you mostly convey is the enthusiasm. You know, Hopefully, just yes. get out there, and even if you don't
0: understand... Just enjoy it. Just just enjoy it, and especially this time of the year. can't stress enough really spectacular this time of the year now you were saying about the the space station Mm. um,
2: being being visible
0: yes the space station has just come back into a period of visibility a few days ago and it's clearly visible it was visible tonight I didn't see it tonight sadly I missed it but it's visible tomorrow night at roughly quarter past six just after quarter past six it'll be visible and it's visible for a few minutes and then it's visible again believe it or not at ten to eight it's visible twice which direction to look? You just basically need to look towards the west, the southern sky. Just remember the space station is going to go from west to east, so you just need to know roughly what time. And for those who have got a pen, I can tell you there's a really good pass at the space station at 6 minutes past 7 on Tuesday, at 19 minutes past 6 on Wednesday, and at 8 minutes past 7 on Thursday. Very high up, 50-odd degrees, which is... If you hold remember my exercise of holding your fist at arm's length? Well, five fists up is how far up the space station will be, due south at those times. That's Tuesday at six minutes past seven, Wednesday at nineteen minutes past six, and Thursday at eight minutes past seven. Right. Now
2: whilst we digest that and just calm down a little bit, let's have your music <laughs> choice. Very appropriate. Indeed. In fact, It it always delights me about how many songs there are that have got the moon, the stars, the planets in their title. We have great fun finding them, but this is a great one tonight. It is, of course, Simply Red and it is Stars. Back to Howard in a few moments.
1: Oh A promise never came with a maybe so many words are left unspoken.
2: well I just hate to fade that track but I'm anxious to get back to our conversation with Howard Parkin you're listening to the January edition of the Manx Sky at night here on Manx radio Howard Parkin in the studio and uh, Howard, you were just giving us the um, the times for the International Space Station, when that's going to be visible. But uh, this time last year, you had a very, very handy uh, document that you're making available electronically. And it's all the, the things that we can look out for for the whole of the yeah, year.
0: Yeah, and I've done it again for 2020. I call it the, uh, the Manx Night Sky Highlights 2020. And I've done it again. It's a six-page document, if you have a printed version. Or you can have it via email. If anybody's interested, just get in touch with studio at manxradio.com. That's right. If, you, or, if you're listening
2: now and you would yeah, like that, you'd
0: like one, just send us an email and I'll send one to you via email. Or if you catch this in the podcast later and you want to set, ask for one, just email me, Howard Park, in easy to remember, at manx.net, and I'll be happy to send you a copy of it.
2: Couldn't be simpler. So if you want to send an email in immediately whilst I'm on air, it's studio at manxradio.com, Howard Parkin at manx.net. If you're listening to this on the podcast or indeed think about doing it later, you know, when, yeah, when we're no longer on you, air. would be
0: delighted to send you on. Now,
2: we're talking um, often about what other people are doing and what you're doing off-Ireland. But let's talk about on-Ireland, Isle of Man
0: Astronomical Society. Yeah, I'm really pleased. Um, they're having another of their stargazing uh, sessions live uh, next weekend, actually, in Onkin Park, which is one of the dark sky sites of the island courtesy of Anchor Commissioners. They very kindly make the premises available to us. The cafe will be open. So next Friday, between 7 and 9, next Saturday, same times, and Sunday. So we've got three nights. All we've got to hope for is clear nights. Hopefully all three, but we'll be happy with just one. Uh, and we've had a lot of people in the in the last few years coming to these, uh, youngsters, parents, um, children, grandparents alike, and it's a great opportunity. There'll be a few telescopes there. We can look at the, the wonders of the sky and uh, hopefully uh, identify some things for you and let you see what you're looking at. So um, do come along if you can. Uh, Onken Park, at 7 to 9, on the 31st of January and the 1st and 2nd of February. Which is over next weekend.
2: Now, what's going on at the college? How, oh, What yes. are you doing
0: there? Well, I'm in the process of um, doing my night school classes. I've just done eight. Is it eight out of 12 I've done? I've got four more to go. But every year I do a day school for the forthcoming year. And for various reasons, this one has been put back to the 8th of February this year. Uh, The class is definitely running, so you don't need to sign up to make sure it runs. We've definitely got enough numbers to run it. But if anybody's interested to know what's visible, not just for the year, that's just one part of it, but I'll be doing a whole host of talks about what's going on in space, in astronomy, and... Cosmology, Mars, the missions to Mars later this year. I'll uh, be doing all that. And it's a week on Saturday on the 8th of February at the College, 9 till 4, if you're interested. Get in touch with the College, who I'm sure will give you all the details. That's great. Thank you, Howard. Now, Ultimate
2: Tool being renamed. Why yes. would you rename something?
0: Well, this was a fascinating story. And I got this story from somebody actually on board a cruise ship who emailed me, would you believe? I didn't know anything about it. And this is a guy actually works for NASA. And I've done this lecture for them, and it's talking about the Ultima Tool um, flyby of New Horizons in January last year. And um, all of a sudden, they've renamed it. Turns out that if you are an Aryan race, one of the Aryan race, the Nazis, obviously, um, Ultima Tool is where they go to. It's the Aryan race equivalent of Valhalla, evidently. So they thought this is inappropriate, so they've decided the IAU. You see the IAU have got this clout and this power again. They said, right, we want a new name. So they've named it Arrowcot, not Arrow with a W. It's no W, A-R-O-K-O-T, Arrowcot, which comes from the uh, the native language of the the Native Americans. Uh, I can't remember the name of the tribe now, but the Powhatans, I think they're called. So it's it's named after them. It's called Arrowcot. So Ultima Thule is no more. It is Arrowcot.
2: You know, it, you were just saying about it's not spelt, uh, as you might imagine, O-W. And I was just thinking the same also of Beetlejuice, that we, if we want to find out more about these, we need to find their real spelling yeah. because they can often be very, very different. Oh, yeah,
0: Beetlejuice especially, because that, that terrible film wasn't there years ago called Beetlejuice, and everyone still remembers it. Yes. It was awful.
2: <laughs> and But but the name is not spelled anything no, like that. Beetlejuice. It's like Beetlejuice. It's At,
0: Beetle, it's yes. Patrick Moore always used to pronounce it Betelgeuse. Now, yes. B E T E L GERS G E U S E. Betelgeuse actually sounds like it's more spelt. Like it and it is yes. Tends to be the way we pronounce it, so I'm afraid it's stuck that way. Yes, yes, indeed. It means but... armpit of the giant one. That's what Beetle use mean. It's Arabic for armpit of the giant one.
2: Really? Well,
0: you see, full of useless information. <laughs> not useless. Not useless
2: at all. Because if you if you did want to search for more information, armpit of the giant one would like that would yeah. get you to it. Would get it you certainly to it. would. Now, uh, we can't skirt around this subject any longer. No. We touched on it briefly at the end of the last program, and it was um, the mishap. Of the the Boeing Boeing Starliner. Yes. Now we didn't really predict that. We thought it would either be delayed for some very good technical reason. We thought that maybe it would, you know, be postponed. We didn't really think that it would take off and get itself all confused.
0: Absolutely, that was the one scenario we didn't allow for. I'm afraid that it did. It launched perfectly. It came back perfectly, but in the middle, it went to pieces. Um, they, they, the clock set wrong or something went wrong. If there'd been astronauts on board, it would have been overridden and they would have got to the space station. But because they couldn't get the space station, they cut it short and brought it back down to Earth on the Sunday.
2: Howard, isn't it ironic that the whole point of the, well, as far as I could see, the point of this mission was to test the safety yeah. And, of course, they couldn't have it manned. And you said, if this goes well, then they'll be able to be manned. manned. manned, And the irony is, this would have been saved if it had been manned. It wasn't that it was in any danger.
0: And it's because the culture these days is, whereas NASA used to send these things off, you know, they launched to the moon with Apollo 8 without any testing of the rocket, practically, it was the first launch of a Saturn V. They did all this stuff because of the can-do attitude. Now, safety is very important. I'm not saying for any moment it isn't, but To get these contracts, Boeing and SpaceX, will come on to in a moment, they're literally having to jump through all sorts of hoops. And as you say, if they'd launched this Boeing Starliner with men on board, they would have just overridden the, the clock straight away. They'd have turned the engine off, which basically the spacecraft went into too high an orbit. And they hadn't got the fuel on board to bring it back to where the ISS was. So that was the problem. But everything else worked like clockwork. And
2: yeah, and on mm. the upside, it, it did enable all that testing to be done. Yeah. That they brought they, it back down again. And, yeah. and
0: I mean, NASA have said they want three months to evaluate the test before they make a decision as to whether they've got to do another unmanned launch or whether they're going to let them launch the next one with men on board. Mm. Um, so we're waiting to see. So that's... Um, The comments are looking favourable at the moment uh, that they're going to put it up with men on board. But um, in the meantime, of course, that leads us nicely on to the Dragon. And a week last Saturday, a week yesterday, um, they launched a Dragon. And this was another test they had to do. They had to launch the spacecraft on a rocket and the rocket had to literally fail. So literally, as a rocket was being launched, they blew the rocket up. But just before they blew the rocket up, if there'd been men on board or women, um, they would have separated the spacecraft from the rocket using its abort motors and fired away from the rocket, which it did, and then parachuted back down to Earth. It was quite spectacular, well worth looking out for. The the, the Dragon abort test, if you want to look it up on the internet. And this one went absolutely 100% uh, like clockwork. and um, They proved that the men or women on board would have survived this mishap. And this happened in Russia about 18 months ago. Some people may recall that we actually had a launch abort that took place on a Soyuz rocket. Of course... The one comment that has been made to me repeatedly is, well, where was the abort system on the Challenger? There wasn't one. They did not have an abort system on Challenger. And sadly, seven brave men and women lost their lives as a consequence. But NASA insisting on this abort um, function. Uh, It's worked perfectly. And now they said they will be launching. The next Dragon launch will have men on board. um, Doug Hurley. And Bob Benkin will be going on board the next Dragon that's launched, and that will be going to the space station. They reckon beginning of April now. They were talking about end of February, but they're saying they're going to really make sure everything's ready and everything else. And so beginning of April will be the first return to space of Americans launched by an American rocket from American soil. It is tragic,
2: as, as you just said, that, you know, things that are being tested successfully now would have saved lives. Mm. But that's
0: progress for you, isn't that's, it? That's it. I Tragically. Mean, there's some terrible things happen in the world and we all can always learn from them. And we don't need to point fingers. We need to learn from them and move on. I think that sometimes is forgotten these days. Um Things yeah. can go wrong and do go wrong, and when they do, as I say, we need to learn from them,
2: mm, which clearly is what is what
0: is mm, being happening. Much so. But
2: but um, but as you say, the race is on. Um, what else do we need to, to know? What about Virgin? How well, they, Virgin are they Galactic
0: to? are about to. They've they've flown now for the second time. They've sent their spaceship spaceship one spaceship two. Sorry, into space. Uh, this is where you pay quarter of a million pounds and you go into space for five minutes. Um, and there's loads of people signed up to do it. Leonardo DiCaprio for one. Uh, i think will smith is another one some very prominent names uh, are, are doing this and they are almost definitely going to be launching with fair paying passengers on board sometime later this year and in the meantime uh, bob be- uh, not bob bassios uh, jeff bezios who owns amazon of course always in the news amazon his blue origins spacecraft they're about to start doing the same so we could potentially have four commercial vehicles going into space in 2020 carrying people on board um, considering we've had no manned launch from America since twenty eleven, um, it's all happening in twenty twenty. So watch this space, literally.
2: And that's literally just five minutes in space.
0: Of oh, the the um, the Virgin one, yeah. But yes, it's just a space plane. And that brings me nicely back to the Isle of Man because the Isle of Man had the Excalibur Almas program. Yeah. Which remember, it didn't actually come to anything in the end, uh, but that was because they were using uh, X flown hardware by the Russians. But instead of using that build a nice shiny new spacecraft and, and your name's Richard Branson he's got the money for it and it's been launched on the stock market and That's the progressed. celebrities the celebrities
2: have got that kind of money, yeah, of it's, pocket have, money, yeah. it's, money it's pocket money for I them it's life changing
0: money for us it's pocket money for them I was hoping Manx Radio might pay my for Judith do you think you've got any chance um, I tell you what I'll write you a note oh Howard. thank you yeah tell you what come back
2: final Sunday in February and I'll let you know if you're if I've been able to sort it. You're In the meantime, Howard, we've been beaten by the clock again. <laughs> again, great to talk to you, and Howard you do Parkin. It. Thank you so much for joining us back on the final Sunday of February for another look at the Manx sky at night. Judith. Good night.
1: Manx